0: excerpt from Patrick Breen's diary in early November in 1846. We pushed past as fast as our failing cattle could haul our almost empty wagons. At last we had reached the foot of the main ridge near Truckee Lake. It was sundown. The weather was clear, but a large circle of the moon indicated an approaching storm. Breen would have seen desolation, starvation, and annihilation if he could see just a few months into his future. You see, that large circle around the moon that he mentioned was indicative of the upper atmosphere being full of ice crystals. Ice crystals ahead of an impending blizzard. Patrick Breen, along with the other members of the Donner Party, were about to hunker down for one of the most destitute winters ever experienced by pioneers of the Old West. I'm Abby, and you've been warned, don't look in the trees. to another episode of Don't Look in the Trees. Today we're going to be looking back into a very troublesome period in American history. From the moment that European colonizers landed in America, westward expansion was a focus. A period that was known as the Manifest Destiny had gasoline poured on its fire when gold was discovered in California. There were numerous battles and wars fought between the United States and indigenous peoples of America. There was even a war fought against Mexico when too many settlers had set up shop on Mexican land, which was actually going on at the time of the Donner Party was making its way to California. The Donners were led by George Donner, who was a businessman from Illinois. They met up with several other families in Independence, Missouri, the Breen's, Graves, Reed's, Murphy's, Keesburg's, and Eddie's. These families all headed west together, as having a larger party usually increased your chances of survival. They encountered hardships on their way even before the famous disaster struck. One older woman died from her age, another was fatally stabbed in an altercation with a cattle driver. Another still was shot when a firearm went off accidentally. Still, they pressed on. Early on in the journey, one of the cattle drivers was bothered by the timing of their journey. Pioneers would normally set out from Independence in mid to late April so there would be enough grazing land for their oxen along the way. They would also leave at this time to avoid being stuck in the Sierra Nevada mountains at the very end of the journey, buried in the deep snow that would fall there. Now let's take a moment to consider these mountains. The Sierra Nevadas are notoriously steep and treacherous. They also experience the fourth greatest snowfall amounts per year in the continental U.S. At the Sugar Bowl Ski Resort nearby Donner Pass, they average 34 feet of snow a year, which is about 11 meters for you outside of the United States. This is due to the altitude being about 7,000 feet above sea level and the proximity of the mountains to the humid air of the Pacific Ocean. Snow will usually begin in the Sierra Nevadas during mid November. After the Donners had crossed from Independence to the base of the Wasatch Range of the Rocky Mountains, they encountered a rider who was carrying an advertisement for the Hastings Cutoff. This was a route first discovered by Lansford Hastings, who was seeking to promote it after he first mapped it in 1845. These families split from the larger party, and George Donner was named the leader. They had set out on the Hastings Cutoff in July 1846, not knowing it wouldn't be until October when they could finally see the Sierra Nevada mountains and meet their fate. The party had 87 members, including two indigenous men, Louis and Salvador, when they began up the mountains. Knowing that the pass above Truckee Lake was not supposed to be snowed in until mid-November, they truly believed that they could make it in time. They stopped to make camp at Truckee Lake before attempting to cross the pass, and saw snow on the peak a thousand feet above where the camp is. This is when Patrick Bean made a note of his observation about the moon. The next day, they embarked for the pass, but it was already too late. Five feet of snow had fallen. One member of the party and his guide made it to the summit of the pass, but they turned back to help the others. Had they continued on, they would have only been a hundred miles away from their destination in California. The party hunkered down for the winter at Truckee Lake. Three cabins were constructed from pines nearby. They were poorly constructed with flat roofs and wide open doors. The Donner family itself set up tents a few miles from the cabins in a lower elevation. Over the next month, these camps were completely buried in what is thought to be 22 feet of snow. It never thought enough to make a difference. There are pictures from the site, which I'll post on the show Instagram, which shows that members of the party had cut down trees well above the ground level for firewood and to construct their camps. An eerie sight, to say the least. Famine quickly struck the camp. Their food supplies were already low, setting down for the winter. But every one of their oxen died in the cold. Many of them were lost, buried in the snow too quickly to be drawn up into portions for meat for the party to eat. All of the food stores had been used up within a month. One member of the party was able to hunt and kill a bear, but this was the only game to be had during the blizzards. What was meat quickly turned into hides. Hides and bones were boiled repeatedly to create a gelatinous soup, which was the only source of food for the party. Several died from the cold, starvation, and fever before the first attempt at escape was made. Fourteen pairs of snowshoes were made for members of the party by Franklin Graves. These were made from the oxbows and hides of the dead oxen. A group of 17 men, women, and children set out to cross the pass with the snowshoes on December 16th. Among this group were four fathers and three mothers. All of them left their children to the other members of the party back at the camp. They took six days of poor rations with them on their journey. The snowshoes were effective on the beginning of the climb, but none of the members were able to cross the pass on account of their inability to camp effectively in the deep snow. Several of the members had gone snow blind, which is a condition where the UV radiation bouncing off the snow burns your corneas, and they were severely visually impaired. Still, they had not made it to their destination by November 21st, and had become very lost and confused. They spent another two days without food. This is where things get really morbid, guys. Trigger warning for those who do not want to hear what comes next. It involves cannibalism. It's tough to hear. Pause now if you don't want to hear that. I get it. Patrick Dolan, one of the first members of the small group, suggested that one of them should volunteer to die to be eaten by the others. They suggested a duel, a lottery, or simply to continue on until one of them succumbed to the cold. They picked the last option, and soon Antonio, an animal herder, and Franklin Graves had dropped. Patrick Dolan then began to rant deliriously, stripped off his clothes and ran into the forest only to return hours later and die of hypothermia. The others began to cannibalize his body at this point. A young boy in the group, who was on the brink of death, was encouraged by his sister to participate, but he refused and died as well. All of those who died during this journey were found to be cannibalized. Flesh from the bodies was dried and divided up as such that none of the group had to eat their own relatives. Three members of the party refused to eat, a man named Eddie and the two indigenous men, Luis and Salvador. The group rested for three days before searching for the trail again. They once more ran out of their provisions and began to get desperate. They began eating the hides of their snowshoes and even suggested killing Luis and Salvador. Eddie warned them of their plan and Luis and Salvador escaped. Nine days later, they were found freezing and on the brink of death. They were murdered in cold blood and cannibalized. The group eventually found the trail again and pressed on. They stumbled into an indigenous settlement on the other side and were freely given their food supply, which they had saved for themselves for the winter. Eddie continued on to reach a small ranch and a small farming community on the edge of the Sacramento Valley, where he alerted a rescue party who would return to save the six surviving members of the group on January 17th. It had been 33 days since they set out from Truckee Lake with their six days of rations. Rescue for the others took even longer. The California militia was engaged with the Mexican-American War that I talked about earlier and were not available to head up the rescue efforts. It took until February 4th for a rescue party, including Eddie, to set out to rescue the members of the Donner Party. When they arrived on February 18th, they began to shout where Eddie said the cabins were located. Members of the party reportedly emerged from a hole in the snow where their cabins had been buried during subsequent blizzards. A quote from Mrs. Murphy, the matriarch of the Murphy family goes, Are you men from California, or do you come from heaven? The remains of 13 of the dead had been buried in the snow above the cabins and had begun to rot when the rescues arrived. The smell of it sickened many of the rescuers who moved the bodies into cabins and burned them. Four of the party died en route to Sacramento Valley. Through three trips up and back to Truckee Lake, 46 of the members were rescued, and 41 had died. The following is a newspaper article from the Union in Nevada County, California. It was written by Pam Jung, and could shed some light on the more spooky occurrences at Donner Pass since the party met their fate in 1846. Here's the article. If you are fortunate, you may be one of 1,000 visitors who visit Donner Memorial State Park at Truckee to actually feel the presence of Tamsen Donner, of the ill-fated Donner party. Or should we say fortunate? The trials that she and 87 men, women, and children of that expedition endured are ghastly and unimaginable, The tragic suffering endured by both those who died and those who survived was so great, says Barb Smith, author of The Ghost Stories of California, that resonance from their experiences can still be felt in and around the area where the group wintered. Smith writes of one woman's creepy experience in the spring of 1988. The woman, only identified as Elizabeth in order to preserve her privacy, started feeling sensations while driving towards the Donner Summit. Excited as if she was gonna be seeing dear friends whom she hadn't seen in years. She was a bit confused by this, as she was a practical sort and a history buff, and she didn't have any friends she was meeting. The closer she got to Donner Memorial Park, the more intense the sensation got, including odors, what the campsite and the pioneers smelled like, and tears that sprang unbidden from their horrible plight. Once at the park, Elizabeth had an overpowering feeling of being watched and not being alone, even though no one else was in the park at the time. But these feelings only occurred at the site where she thought George Donner and his wife Tamsen had their tent 152 years earlier. Could the presence Elizabeth felt be the ghost of this woman? By all accounts, Mrs. Donner was an intelligent or resourceful person who first sent her children ahead of her to find their way to civilization, and then left herself once her husband died. She was the last member of the Donner party to leave. Was she the last member of the Donner party to leave? No one knows. But there have been others who have had odd experiences regarding this point and time of history. A woman identified as Joan Williams was hypnotically regressed to a past life by a paranormal researcher, Dr. Michael Newton, in early 1990s, only to have a Donner Party survivor, Patty Reed, come through. She said she was 8 years old, cold, and in the mountains. Further, she said she had been carried down the camp by a Frenchman. When asked what was most responsible for this tragedy, her answer was Hastings which turned out to be the name of the ill-advised shortcut that the Donner Party took and ultimately stranded them. Newton discovered that the lady he had regressed had no knowledge of the Donner Party and her waking state. Patty Reed died in 1923 at the ripe old age of 85, while not a ghostly presence in the normal sense of the word. The essence of her seemed to live on, reincarnation maybe, in Joan Williams. Then there's the story of the skier who got seriously disoriented while skiing alone in the Sugar Bowl Ski Resort, close to where the Donner party had their last camp. After a day of wandering about looking for help, he claims a woman skier appeared, led him to a camp of people who asked them to do some work the next day for them alone. When he went back to camp later that day, he found it wasn't there anymore. There weren't even signs that anyone had ever been there. Everything and everybody had disappeared. Creepy, for sure, but at least it's not threatening. Maybe you'll have your own story to tell when you visit Donner Memorial State Park. That's the sad and disturbing story of the Donner Party. The story was widely publicized across the U.S. shortly afterwards and now lives on in the history books as a testament to the struggle of pioneering in the old American West. The supreme irony of the whole story is that had the party left Missouri three weeks sooner, they would have made it through the Sierras. Not only that, but future pioneers who took the Donner Reed Trail could save up to two weeks of time on their trip to Sacramento. Who would have thought? Have you been up to Donner Lake? We'd love to hear about what you saw. Send us an email at dlittpod at gmail.com. If you have a different story or suggestion of something that we could cover in the future, you can send it there too. Don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for more content. It's Abby underscore Sabota on TikTok and at don't look on the trees on Instagram. If you're looking for merch, we've got everything you could want to linked in to the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I've been Abby, and you've been warned. Don't look in the trees, and don't be a pioneer in the wild, wild west. Bye bye